Ron and Don from radio to real estate. We did amazing. <laughs> when you're ready to grab a cup of coffee and sit down with the guys, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. Hey everybody, it's the Ron and Don Show. Ronanddon.com. Hey you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 127 of the Ron and Don Show. We are live from the shores of South Lake Union, where Ron has just shared with me something pretty incredible in the Les Schwab Studios. Ron, as far as the spins of the Ron and Don Show goes, uh, what kind of numbers are we looking at? Yeah, this week we should hit our half a million total plays number. In, in the Anchor app, I can open it up and see the dashboard and see uh, how many spins we've gotten, as we used to call it back in the day, uh, when we were on Trusted Radio. So I just want to say thank you to everybody. Uh, I really didn't know what to expect when we started the Ron and Don Show in this iteration. And the, the fact, when you think about one half of a million, 500,000 people, that's the entire population of Seattle proper. Yeah. And so to, to think that we've had that many people uh, interact with the show, it, it really is meaningful to me on a lot of different levels. So as sincere as I can be, I, I just want to thank everybody. The amount of time that that represents out of everyone's life. And, and you know, I just turned 50 last week and you start to really think about, I, I didn't do a deep dive on like my existential place in the universe. But as you get older, you do really come to terms with Time is your most valuable asset, and that just gets reinforced as every birthday ticks off. And so to think about a half a million people giving us almost as many hours as that uh, just seems really incredible and gratifying. And it's challenging because if you look at terrestrial radio, our numbers, uh, people between the ages of 18 and 54, we own that. But specifically, people between the ages of 45 and 65 we really own that demo i still run into lots of people out there that don't know how to download a podcast and like i'm looking for you guys so let's tell everybody one time please make sure you share the Ron and Don show with people out there that may not even know what a podcast player is, right? Yeah, if we have added any value to your life, it really would help us because Don's right. We get this every single day. Oh man, I miss you guys. I can't find it. It's like, we're still there. You can still listen. But if you know how to do it, show your friend how to do it uh, or your family member. Take out their phone. If, they have, if they're on Apple, most people listen on Apple. Go to the podcast button uh, and it's do search and subscribe for them. Just show them how to do it it takes two steps you hit the icon you hit our icon you hit play maybe that's three steps uh, and if you're on an android phone you can show people how to download spotify or download anchor uh, download stitcher google play and you can find that there that that would be the biggest thing that would help us out is if you are tech savvy and you know someone that used to listen to the show or you can put it on your social media uh, to help spread the word because i think i think my intuition is we've barely scratched the surface of people that used to sample us on the radio but half a million downloads is, is significant so thank you yeah thanks you guys thanks to les schwab and also thanks to two guys by the name of ron and don they're licensed brokers at windermere they've been sponsoring this show and i hear these guys are really amazing they're really handsome uh i hear one of them has a pretty crazy shaggy dog who last night uh <laughs> gotten some poop and we had to wash him with the $16.95 conditioner which is a lot more money than my perk plus so what's coming up in the show let me tell you what's coming up uh in the show a little bit later city council seattle washington 
guess what? They want to defund the police, and guess who they want to fund? We're going to talk about that in a moment. And also, we got to talk about this. Lots of phone calls right now being made to families uh, from different publications, including Politico, saying, hey, what's going on? We understand that your great-great-granddad was a Confederate general, and they named a fort after him. Something like Fort Hood, because he had a hood on? No, I don't think that's true. Anyway, nonetheless... A lot of folks are being called right now by publications, and they're saying, hey, how do you feel about streets, about monuments, about forts named after your family members? Uh, Would you like to see those things erased, taken down? Does it screw with history? Do you want to defend them? Uh, You're not going to believe the results of that. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Ron, you just showed me the stock market, and right now there's one particular stock stock that is screaming because of the 19, right? That's right. Have you heard of Operation Warp Speed? Uh -uh. Because I had not heard of this till today. So evidently the federal government has launched a program. They've dubbed it Operation Warp Speed, and that is to create a vaccine the faster than has ever been created in human history. Wow. Uh, and so the goal is to get a working vaccine for COVID-19 by the end of this calendar Let year. Let me ask you this. This just came to me. Is it faster than a speeding bullet? Well, it seems like it's spreading faster than a speeding bullet around the world right now. More powerful than a locomotive. Well, you, you and I both talked about the, the Bill Gates video where he has more expertise in creating viruses and paying for them than anyone in the world. You're and not he, getting the Superman. I, I got the Superman reference. Okay. Uh, and Bill I Gates going to get to play the whole thing out. Okay, go ahead. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. No, go ahead. Able to leave the thin finger. <laughs> so, um, but Bill Gates was like, hey, man, this has never happened in under, you know, it usually takes years to yeah. develop this because you're working in concert with with the government a decade it, ta- it typically takes, it, takes 10 years right. at least yeah there is a company called novavax that i've never heard of i had never heard of operation warp speed i went out and and uh, the government just awarded them 1.6 billion dollars wow. with a b wow. and their stock price went in january 1st their stock price was under five dollars a share mm. it was four dollars and 59 cents or 29 cents something like that yeah. today it just traded at 108 dollars after they got this announcement wow. of $1.6 billion. So what? I have a friend that's a is a big-time investor. I was like, I hope you bought uh, Novavax last week. He's like, I'd never heard of them. Ah. And he, this is what he does for a living. But if you even if you'd bought stock a week ago, yeah. you were up like 50%. So this is a crazy stock. And here's why. Operation Warp Speed in this $1.6 billion dollars, what they're going to do is try to get a working vaccine with 100 million doses by the end of 2020. And they're working in concert with uh, the government right now to fast track 30,000 volunteers to test the efficacy, efficacy of, of this particular treatment. So what their approach is... Evidently, you know, we've heard coronavirus. Coronavirus means that it's shaped kind of like a crown. It has the virus itself has these little spikes that look like a corona. Uh, and those spikes are the thing that allows it to get uh, attached to a cell. I'm not going to explain medicine because I'm not a doctor. I thought they looked like little itty-bitty typewriters. Hello. <laughs> Boy, you are bringing the dad jokes today. 
So what the uh, the Novavax company is doing is this: their treatment takes away the spike, so yeah. the spike can no longer engage in the cell, and it disarms it that way. There's a second company that got uh, less money, a couple hundred million dollars, and they're they're trying to make a drug cocktail because other researchers are saying this virus, the COVID nineteen performs in a lot of ways similar to HIV. Mm. And so the solution with the tens of billions of dollars that's been spent on, on HIV research over the years has been, we're going to control it with a cocktail. You, you know, and I always just think back to Magic Johnson. You know, Magic Johnson sort of gets this death sentence at the time, and then this cocktail approach was invented, and he's lived a long, healthy, productive life It was life so expensive, then. though, and he couldn't afford it, and a lot of people in the AIDS community could not. And so he really championed making sure that the drug cocktail was a cocktail for everyone and just not for someone uh, that could afford it uh, playing for the Los Angeles Lakers and making that kind of money for sure. So, so yeah, the, so we have two things going on at the same time. There are other companies like Johnson and Johnson, uh, AstraZeneca that are being involved in this and doing their own similar thing with, with, uh, Vaccines. It's too early, obviously, to, to spike the football and say that we've got a vaccine in 2020. But um, the stock market sure is excited about this. Investors are excited about this. And, of course, the, the getting that money allows you to test this on 30,000 people. And I'll just say this. We, we throw around the word heroic a lot. We throw around the word, uh, you know, we're going to talk about generals coming up later and talk about heroes in American history. If you are an American and you're one of the 30,000 that volunteers your body for wave one of a human trial uh, in this Operation Warp Speed, you are a hero in my mind. Because we don't know. That's the thing with a trial of this size. You don't know the results. When you go back and you look at other vaccines in human history, people died. You know, when they were dialing in exactly how potent the vaccine should be, you know, how much uh, of the inoculation. Sometimes there were even things with the first iteration of the of the polio vaccine where they, they, uh, the company did it wrong and people ended up dying with a contaminated batch of vaccine. So that, that is no small risk. In, in my mind, those are heroic Americans. So whoever those 30,000 people are across the world or across America that say, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to be a part of this first wave of trial. I want to provide this for the, the safety of the entire planet. I, I can't be show more gratitude towards them. That is amazing to me. I, I don't have that courage. I would not sign up for, hey, throw me in the ring. Uh, I'll be one of the 30,000. Like I'm not cut that way, uh, but the people that are, are have my utmost respect and gratitude. Yeah, and there was a, a great article in the paper a number of weeks ago about the gentleman who was the mascot for a number of years uh, for the Washington State Cougars. Uh, he has signed up to do that. There's a lot of people here locally uh, that are doing just that. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know that I'm rushing to get in line to, uh, to be a part of that experiment, but I probably should be. I don't know if we should be. Like It's, it's a calling. I think the people that do that is a calling. I don't think, I'm, you shouldn't feel guilty. I, I'm not feeling guilty. Like okay. that—that's a calling that people have that understand the science a lot more than we do. So, but but they are heroes in my mind. I get—I already feel guilty about a lot of things. You don't need to feel guilty about I, this. Yeah, this would just be another layer of of, of guilt. Don wants to sign up for the experiments. Like we need volunteers to put <laughs> suntan lotion on supermodels. We're testing SPF factors of uh, 45. There you go. Yeah, 
I, I, could, I could help test like fake tan lotion. Sure. There you go. That. Yeah. Uh, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, and we are live from the Les Schwab Studios today. It's episode 127, almost half a million spins, you guys, of the Ron and Don Show over the last year. And we thank you for that from the bottom of our hearts. And thanks to Les Schwab as we're proclaiming it's Les Schwab week on the Ron and Don Show. A few moments with us, Schwab, and then we're back on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Ron and Don for Les Schwab. Don't forget, COVID-19, it is changing the way that we all do things. And at Les Schwab, we're getting pretty good at staying safe and keeping up with free safety checks at Les Schwab for your vehicle. We encourage you to schedule an appointment online to expedite service and limit your time in the store. And really, again, it's all about staying safe while you're in the store and then staying safe when you're on the road this summer. Yeah, I mean, everybody is getting back on the road. The traffic is increasing. Les Schwab wants to help you drive safe. That's why all of the safety-related services, tires, brakes, alignment, they are on sale right now through July 11th. Save up to $210. Save up to 110 bucks off a set of four select tires, $50 off brakes with the purchase of a set of four tires, and $50 off alignment with the purchase of a set of four tires. Swing by or book online, as Don said, at LesSchwab.com, so you can get right in there. This is a limited time offer while supplies last. Actual discount amount depends on tire size and type. Cannot be combined with other offers. Details at LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab Tires. Doing the right thing matters. They're hard workers, they're hustlers, and they're fun to hang out with at the same time. (laughs) When it comes to your real estate journey, it truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. That's what commercial real estate expert Laura Miller did. I purchased a home in Alki, and it was a really cute uh, mid-century modern home. It was uh, a lot of more management than I expected. And I am a broker, but I do handle commercial. I don't do residential. And Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well-prepared. They were just really impressive. And the things that they outlined that they were, were going to provide their services were, it just made it easy. It was a laydown. Ron and Don seemed completely committed to listening to what my needs were and addressing them. I also got the sense that they're adaptable to what different clients' needs are. So for me, what was important was communication, ability to reach the brokers, to feel like I still had a fair amount of control on the deal. I like to have a fair amount of communication as to what's going on in the market, what are you doing today, <laughs> to um, you know move the sale forward. And they were collaborative. They came forward with some really great ideas even little details like could you water the plant while you're there they're like "Uh, of course and they would show me them watering the plant (laughs) the weekend that we sold the house um they were really successful and they came up with some creative ideas and they were always present completely available to accommodate my schedule uh we did most of our meetings in what i would consider off hours late night meetings no problem never felt rushed always felt like they were really attentive to details. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. We did really well. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Hey, you guys. Are you ready for the best show in the Pacific Northwest? Here's my dad to his boyfriend, Hint. 
I mean, friend. Hey, you guys. Thanks for checking in. Episode 127. He's Ron. I'm Don. Don't forget, we're licensed brokers at Windermere. If you want to reach out to us, reach out to Ron, as you heard. Ron at Windermere.com. And we can schedule a Ron and Don sit-down. Let's do it virtually. We'll do it today. And we'll also get you a Ron and Don uh, camp mug. This is from the Seattle Times. And I think this is interesting. I will tell you my first reaction to this was negative. My first reaction to this was, I said to myself, this is not going to work. My first reaction was, this guy's an idiot. My second reaction is still, this guy is an idiot. So I'm hoping for a third reaction. Uh, And I think this is something that we all need to do. Because I have baked in biases, is what this year, 2020, has taught me. And when you bake those biases in, and you read something, and you get reactionary toward it like I do. In fact, that's our training. Every day on the radio, we did a four-hour show, and our job was to react to everything. And sometimes I had reactions that I didn't even feel that strongly about, but you're trying to cover four hours of live programming. Here on the podcast, it's a little different. We do it three times a week, thanks to our uh, title sponsor, Les Schwab. And they're short. They're 30, 40 minutes. And typically, we're trying to talk about things that are local to us here in Seattle, Tacoma, Olympia, and Fife. Uh, And let's not forget our great friends up in Everett, home of the Aqua Sox. But then also, also, we are trying to learn some things here together in our community so we can kind of move forward. And we have seen all these signs. We saw them in the chop. Defund the police, defund the defund the police. They went and they overtook the East precinct and the police department gave up that precinct. I went down, I looked at the precinct. I can see why they gave it up. Uh, Protesters had said, someone's going to come in and firebomb that place. It was connected. It was connected to apartments where people were living at the time. And Carmen Best, I believe, made the best decision by saying, you know what? We're going to tap the brakes. We're going to take a moment. We're going to back off. We're going to give you some room. Then all of a sudden though, some lawlessness, some shootings, People died, and as a result of that, they had to go in, and they had to take the chop back. So now you have city council folks doing what city council folks are supposed to do. Because let's not forget, change doesn't happen from the outside in. You can march down I-5 all you want to. And we saw this horrible thing happen on I-5 where a protester uh, was run over uh, by a vehicle. That gentleman now uh, being held, I think, on a $1.2 million bail wasn't – it doesn't seem like he's on substance – Uh, And they still haven't figured out the motivation. So the city council has gone to work now. And a lot of times the city council, they're trying to figure out what you want. And then they're trying to present that, vote on that, enact that, and then make that a law. For instance, so today they decided we're going to go after big business again. The big head tax. Places like Amazon that are making money hand over fist. And here we are in a city right now that isn't even charging you to park we got to find a way to make this up. A police department that they wanted to fund, and yet at the same time, because of all the reaction to Black Lives Matter in this city, so far, so far, we collectively as taxpayers have put an extra, this is extra, just overtime, $6.8 million in the pockets of police officers. Sometimes protesters don't understand that. When a cop comes in, they're getting paid time and a half, $6.8 million. Million dollars to police officers, and that's just here in the city of Seattle. So now you have Andrew Lewis, first time around, only a couple months on the city council, and he said what he would like to do is defund the police. And in defunding the police, he wonders what could we do though with the money that we would get from defunding the police. And what he would like to do, and this from the Seattle Times, he wants to divert money from the Seattle Police Department. And then he wants to create a new fund 
and part of a new department that responds to mental health, responds to substance addiction. It would be still be a first responder program, but these would be unarmed medics and crisis workers, and they would respond to reports of people and mental health crisis. He goes on to say that we need a new leg of the stool. He said, when there's a building on fire, we don't send the police. We send the fire department. When someone has a stroke, we send an ambulance. Lewis wants the council to consider cutting SPD's funding to pay for this program, and he wants it done now this summer. Again, my reactions, all kinds of reactions about how this guy is wrong. But I want to clear my head. Ron, you and I haven't talked about this. And I just want to listen and see at the age of 53, if my mind can be changed on this, because at the age of 53, I need to be open to thinking differently because what we've been doing has not been working. That's true. And old me wants to make fun of this guy's $29 suit, but I'm going to let that slide because I saw the picture. It's like, dude, you're in the council. Can you at least get a blazer and like a tie that's not nine bucks? But anyway, I digress. Um, on its face, I, 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 he's younger than I am. Um, so I, I, I want to be open-minded like you. I don't think it's an entirely bad idea. However... What I would love to see, and no one's going to do this except for me, if we do this program, people in the program are going to be injured and or killed. And so we need to get that out there straight away because not every mental health situation and not every drug, uh, when a drug trip is going bad, is going to end properly. And so if we're just going to say that up front, that there's going to be some collateral damage and that's part of the deal then uh, people need to know that. So if we say, if you're going to send unarmed workers into this situation, and it's the same way that, hey, people that work on, on road maintenance get killed every year. People that work uh, when they're constructing bridges uh, die every single year. So like if you work in the public sector and you are around dangerous things, there are a percentage of people that die. So that should be discussed on the front end. If we do this program, there will be casualties, there will be injuries, there's going to be collateral damage. And so as long as people know that, I think that needs to be disclosed. The, the second thing is I don't think it's a bad idea to invent this program because, and you've talked about it before, like Charlena Lyles, there's a situation that escalated and she ended up dying at the hands of a police officer. She clearly, or at least it seems clear, she was in a crisis situation mentally and or uh, uh, substance wise and had an aversion or a history or a bias or a set of beliefs around law enforcement that did not help that situation. And so if it was a, a different program with different uniforms, maybe that interaction ends ends differently. There's a bridge, and you know the one I'm talking about, an overpass right about a quarter of a mile from my house. On the steps behind that, and I'm sure you've seen this when you come to my house, people do heroin. They sit there on that step. You've probably seen them because they're there almost every day. It's about half a dozen people. They're doing heroin right there on that step. Um, who should go interface with them? Should it be a cop? Should it be a person on it? We, we know the story with the cops. Um, they know they're there. 
Because I've seen the people in front, they're right behind this this $1.6 million condo. They're calling the cops when people are shooting up and stealing things because there's a bunch of debris right there on that stairwell as well. Uh, the cops aren't out there arresting them. They're just not. They're, they're posting up ready to see if there's going to be a march on I-5. So if there was a different division that could go out there and say, hey, uh, people that sit on this step and shoot drugs every day, there's a, there's a path for you. I'm not showing up with lights and sirens and jumping out of my car with a with a weapon on my side. I'm jumping out and I want to get you into some treatment. I'm willing to see if it works just so that everybody knows what's going to happen. There will be someone that's attacked. There will be someone that's injured and there will probably be someone that's killed within the first year of doing this. Uh, and if we're okay with that, then I say give it a try. I don't know if I would necessarily say... 100% of the money comes from the police budget because when things do go sideways, you are going to still call police. And so you're going to have both agencies there, similar to when he said, when the building's on fire, we don't call the police. Yeah, you do. You ever been to a fire? It's fire and police and ambulances. All, everybody shows up. That's, that's a it, group. It, that, it, that, it, was my, that was my it, reaction. It's not just the fire yeah, department. Does the fire department show up? Yeah, the fire department does show up. So let, Sometimes let, the fire department shows up when it's a paramedic. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Uh, a number of years ago, you and I were doing a photo shoot down here on Lake Union. We walked out onto a pier, and we had our suits on. I think it's the only time that we've ever worn suits. We were getting ready to take pictures, and there was a naked man in the water. So someone makes a phone call. Think about... How many people got tied up on this particular phone call? So someone calls 911. They say there's a naked man on a pier. And now he's in the water. He gets out of the water. It's cold. And too. now he's laying on this pier and he seems in distress. We ask him if he's okay. He's tripping out. He is not having a conversation with us. Next thing you know, the fire de- the whole f- all, the whole fire department shows up. You have an engine out there. You have a hook and ladder out there. And one of the reasons they need all that is because they're in a situation where they have to stop traffic. And when they have to stop traffic, they bring trucks and they bring manpower. So they have to stop traffic. They're waiting for the medic unit to get there. The medic unit gets there. And the way it works in the city of Seattle, this, the, the, the ambulance tries to get there first. In, in the medic unit for this, in, in the ambulance for the city of Seattle that's connected to the fire department, those are paramedics that are in that ambulance. Typically, you also have a a paramedic that's on a truck, right? Being a paramedic is very different than an EMT. My father was a paramedic. Takes a lot of training to be a paramedic. You get paid a lot more money. There's a bigger expectation. There's things that you can do as far as medications go that an EMT can't, right? So what they'll do is the paramedics show up. Then they call AMR, which is an ambulance transport service with EMTs in it, not paramedics. And then they have to decide, is this guy okay? And he's just tripping out and we can put him in AMR or... And I remember that there was four police officers as well. Yeah. So, so, so now you have the fire department there. The police aren't even there yet. And the fire department is saying, we're not even going to approach this guy till the cops show up. We are not approaching this guy. Which is... What the fire service does. So what you're going to have to do now, Andrew, if you want to change the rules of engagement here, you're going to have to change the rules of engagement when it comes to fire department. Also, when it comes to ambulance that shows up at AMR. So now we're out there and there's 12 to 15 first responders out on a call with a guy who I believe was on a heroin binge, 
jumped in the water, and now he's tripping out, and he's laying on a pier. They wait for the cops to get there. Four cops show up. They go down. Now, now think of it. Four cops are there. We have an engine there. An ambulance shows up. AMR gets there. You got a hook and ladder. And now you have four cops. So you have two cruisers that are there. So this guy is tied up about 20 first responders. So they're assessing the situation. Now here's what the cops need to figure out. Do we put him in a cop car? And if we do, now the cops have to take him to Harborview. When you, uh, an officer, they call it going hands-on. When they go hands-on and you take someone to Harborview, you have to stay there with them. A lot of times when cops let you go and they pull you over, one of the reasons they're letting you go is because they don't want to stay with you. Well, sidebar, when the cops showed up, the guy jumped back in the water. That's right. Naked. That's right. And we were just trying to get a photo shoot done. So these cops are there. They assess the situation. This guy goes from the ambulance. They end up putting in an AMR vehicle. Now he goes to Harborview. Think about all the first and second responders at Harborview that are now involved with this guy. And then if you want to take him to jail, you can't take him to jail. So let's say you want to arrest your way out of the heroin epidemic here. You can't take someone high on heroin and drop them off at the jail. The jail won't take them. So when you look around, you're like, these tents, these tents, why aren't they arrested, thrown in jail? The jail will not take people that you just rip out of tents that stink like holy hell. And even though they're breaking the law, they have to go to Harborview first. Then they have to get released from Harborview. And then they end up going to a jail cell. And now they have the right to an attorney. So now an attorney is part of this. Now a judge is part of this. Now you probably have and some, medical services because he's going to be withdrawing it from now addiction. The jail is a part of this transport. Now you probably have thirty or forty different first, second, and third responders involved with a guy who is naked and jumped off a pier. So Andrew needs to think about this. Andrew is very young; he's brand new to the city council. And what I like him to do because I don't want to poo-poo his idea, go on some ride-alongs with the navigation team, Andrew. The city of Seattle already does this. I've been on ride-alongs with navigation teams. These police officers are angels. They are angels. Angels. And all I'm telling you, think of Deputy Mundell, Pierce County, a number of years ago. There's a call. A guy is not mentally right. Deputy Mundell shows up. He says, hey, you know what? Let me give you a ride. I'm going to give you a ride to get some help. I'm going to wait down here with your family. This guy goes up in the bedroom to grab his jacket and grab his things. And he comes down. And what he did is he took a gun and he put it under his jacket. And he murdered Deputy Mundell in Pierce County. That's Deputy Mundell responding to a gentleman that was having a mental issue that Andrew talks about in the paper. And then he's murdered. He's dead. His kids were little then 10 years ago, and now they've grown up and I've watched them graduate and you watch them get married. He's not coming back. So to Ron's point, Andrew, some of these workers that you talk about, the social worker with the Powell boys, she was outgunned. And those boys are dead. If a cop was there with a gun, would that have changed the narrative? Probably. So, let's go into this with eyes wide open. 
Andrew, take some time and see what's already happening in the Seattle Police Department. And here's what I would ask Carmen Best, who, again, I have called Carmen Electra a couple times. Police Chief Carmen Best, if you felt like your department was the very best and you decided that you were going to ask the federal government and the federal judge overseeing the department to back off and go away because we did everything you asked and we became this exemplary police department. And now, a month later, because of something happened in Minneapolis, you're blowing up the whole department. Someone needs to step up and talk about the rank and file. Someone needs to step up and talk and educate us about the navigation teams. Someone needs to step up and provide some ride-along services to the city council so they can see what's happening out there. So they can go on a call where a naked guy during a Ron and Don photo shoot shows up and ties up 40 First responders. It's the Ronda Don Show only on the Ronda Don Radio Network. If you have a friend that is ready to start their real estate journey, send them to ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, episode 127, all brought to you by Les Schwab. We are live from the Les Schwab Studios. Read a book a number of months ago called In the Shadow of Statues by Mitchell Andrew. He was the mayor of New Orleans when he decided that four Confederate monuments need to come down. Read that book. It is very, very enlightening about why he took those shadows down, uh, why they took those uh, statues down and why they had to do it in the cover of night and why we still don't know who took those statues down because some of the contractors out there were worried about getting firebombed or not getting business for being a part of taking the statues down. They had to go to Texas. I've shared that story with you before. In the Shadow of Statues, uh, a very, very compelling book by a mayor who decided to take four of those statues down. Now we're seeing this happen all around the country, Ron, and people aren't waiting for mayors. They're just hooking up their wench grabbing a chain, and in the middle of the night, Confederate generals, Union generals, Ulysses S. Grant, Teddy Roosevelt, they didn't fight for the Confederacy. Doesn't matter. They're coming down all over the place. This has been a fascinating thing to watch. Even here locally, there was, and we've done a story on this years ago, there was one uh, headstone, a tombstone here in Seattle that was created by the Daughters of the Confederacy, and it was a Confederate monument in a, a cemetery here in the city limits. I think that overlooks uh, it's on the top of uh, Capitol Hill, kind of overlooking the water. That was there's been protests there. They've had to lock that cemetery down before and had security. That thing was torn down within the last week, uh, spray painted and torn down uh, vigilante style. And it is now just laying on the ground. What do you what do you do with that? That's something that we can discuss. Uh, you also see the president of the United States choosing to go to Mount Rushmore. On the 4th of July, no mask, nobody's wearing masks, going to have a fireworks show uh, and give a speech where he calls out and, and just keeps 
keeps driving a wedge uh, into a political season based on the coronavirus and, and other things. And behind him is a sacred site for Native Americans. And so that statue, uh, that engraving has been uh, called to be taken down Crazy on Mount horse. Rushmore. Crazy horse. And so we have that going on. We also have monuments in Virginia coming down all over the place. But you, you found an interesting article, I believe in Politico, where they tracked down the descent of 18 different confederate generals and they said what do you think should happen this is your kin this is your lineage what do you think should happen not everyone agreed but it seemed like the majority of people in that story said yeah it should be taken down the one that jumps out to me is forrest bedford who original founder uh grand wizard of the ku klux klan he was a confederate general and there's a story in there of a young man, he's in his 30s, talking to his dad. And so his dad, when he found out he was a direct descendant of, Be- of Forrest Bedford, loved it. Found a huge oil painting of him that he put in the house. And so this young man grew up. He always thought it was creepy. It was a little weird to have this giant oil painting of this Confederate soldier on a horse in their house. And so as he learned more about it, him and his dad just had a divide on this. And so his dad's argument was, hey... Yes, he was in the Confederacy. His slaves loved him, though. He was a great slave owner, wasn't cruel. And also, he was a masterful military technician. They still study the maneuvers he did and the tactics he used uh, to wage war. He was a military genius. Therefore, he deserves to be recognized and honored. And that's why I have this giant oil painting, and we should not change any of the statues or streets or schools that are named after him. And his son was like, I bet those slaves would probably love to be free more than they loved uh, him as an owner. Yeah, it seems like a lot of these families are saying, hey, uh, let's go ahead and consider changing some of the names. of what do, you, what, do you, what do you do when you take out the Robert E. Lee statue in New Orleans or in Atlanta, because there's lots of them. I think there's 18 of them. But then also, it's on Robert E. Lee Drive. And let's say that your address is on Robert E. Lee Drive, and then the city wants to come in and change the name of the address. And maybe you have no love for Robert E. Lee. But at the end of the day, you're like, wow, what a hassle this is going to be to change my address to Ulysses S. Grant, (laughs) for instance, right? So I I think a a lot of these families are tired of it. I think they're tired of the attention. They're open to having the conversation. But then how far does this conversation go? How far does it go? And does it go all the way back to George Washington? Let's think about this. When Ed Ewing, a local activist, uh, and his friend Doc, when they came in to speak with us a number of years ago, they said, guys, you know what we want to do? And these guys are, are in their 50s now. They said, we want to start having impossible conversations. But nobody wants to have these conversations with us. I've always kind of wondered what the impossible conversations would be or how they would go or what they would look like. I have to say this. I feel very good, very good about the impossible conversations that people are beginning to have. And this is one of them. This is one of those conversations that we need to have. But here's what's important. I was, I was, I, I was driving through a community the other day, where, and I used to live in this community, and it's a white flight suburban community, right? And you see, you drive by businesses, and you drive by churches, and it says Black Lives Matter. Where I live on Queen Anne, 
where I live in, where my son goes to school, almost 600 kids there when they go to school. I've seen at the most three black children last year, maybe one field day, not a lot of black and brown kids where my son goes to school, but I saw this was extraordinary on someone's fence. They had taken the time to create this art. And I know the dad and I know the family and I know the little girl because she helps tutor my son. And at the top of Queen Anne Mountain, it's across from the cemetery, it says Black Lives Matter. Will those signs be up a year from now, though? Because right now, it seems pretty cool. And I was, I was working on a, a rental of mine the other day, just out putting in a lawn. And a next-door neighbor came over, and she is Caucasian as they can be. And she had on a shirt like you would wear a ski Utah shirt. And it was like it was a Black Lives Matter shirt. Will people, will white people a year from now, will black lives still matter? Will that still be up on a church signboard? Will we still see that when I drive by Ken's Market at the top of Queen Anne? Well, you know what? And I'm going to toot, we, I'm gonna toot we, our we, own here for one second. Because the way this works and the way it matters is not with a t-shirt. And it's not with an artwork on a fence post. You and I, the other day had to hire someone to do the voice work for the show. So the voice you hear at the top of the show, we had to, we were hiring someone. So we went out and we're looking at these websites and you see the pictures of the voice actors. And so we're going through and we're listening to voices and we're finding, oh, I like his voice. I like her voice. She sounds good. He sounds good. Let's get a demo with them. And we paused for a minute and said, you know what? We have some really good candidates here. They, they, they are all professional voice actors, all really good voice work. How should the scales be tipped? Because we're going to spend some real money to hire someone to do a real job. And for the first time, I think, in a long time, at least for me, I paused and said, you know what? Are any of them people of color? And not that that should be the deciding factor, because they were all talented. They were all had good skills. They all had great voices, but it, 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 it's a thing where it said, I'm going to spend money anyway. This person is capable. Should I pause for a second and say, this is a woman of color. Maybe I give her the work. It's not charity. We're not giving a handout. We're saying all things being equal. Can I hire a person of color? Can I buy a product from a business owned by a person of color? Can I, if I'm in the hiring position at work at Amazon or a Fortune 500 company or a mom and pop company, if I have equal applicants, can I hire a person of color? And so we, we chose the woman of color, not just because she's a woman of color, but I think you can hear for yourself at the top of the show. She did a fantastic job. In fact, I think it's the best job of the candidates we had. That's true. But I, I have to say, I, I did consider it. And we talked about it. And we said, yeah. this is a woman of color. And even though there's other candidates that were, were equally as good, that can be a factor. And so I don't have a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. But I have hired black people. And I have hired people of color when it comes time to make a purchase. I've bought things deliberately from a black-owned business. I've gone out of my way to research. I'm buying a book. Let me find a black-owned bookstore. I'm going to buy the book from a black-owned bookstore. It takes more time. And so I, I think, to me, that's the way it happens. Hmm. Uh, and that's the way, if you're hiring a tutor, can you hire a tutor of color? 
And and so I know some people are going to push back and go, yeah, well, what about you? What are you taking jobs away from it? It's not about taking jobs away from someone or not away from someone. It's this is how people you create wealth. This is how you balance the scales. And a lot of it's it's a million small decisions. It's not necessarily pulling down the statue. It's when I have to do a purchase on voice work. Can I choose the person of color because they're just as good and capable and probably had to work harder than all the white candidates? They just did. They probably have to work harder for every single client than the white people. And that's just the fact of life. Yeah. It's a good point. Change happens from the inside out. Not the outside in. We've seen a lot of things on the outside. Now it's t- time to take it inside. And if you're a decider, if you're in a position to decide things and provide opportunity, uh, I think all the points that Ron just shared are awesome, you guys. That's episode 127 of the Ron and Don Show. Thanks for stopping by. Don't forget, we are licensed brokers with Windermere. You're ready to buy, sell, or invest? Let's just sit down. In fact, uh, we're doing that a lot lately. We'd love to sit down with you. Order a Ron and Don sit down. Just go to ronanddonradio.com. All right? He's Ron. I'm Don. You keep your head up. Keep your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time live from the Les Schwab Studios only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, it's G-Force O'Neill, the brains of this operation, and the voice of the Ron and Don Show. Well, that's it. Show's over. We'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Oh,